Introducing the SND Podcast channel, your new source for all types of podcasts. We are looking for new podcasts to add to our channel. So if you ever wanted to start a podcast, reach out to us via Twitter, DM, or just add us at SND Podcast. Or message us on Facebook or even email us at SNDPodcast at gmail.com. Once you reach out to us, we'll tell you the best way to create a podcast. All types of podcasts are welcome. So anything you want to talk about for a podcast, just let us know. No idea is a bad idea. We're already on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, and all other podcast apps. All you have to do is record the podcast. So hit us up soon so you can start your podcast Fourth now. And five. I kind of feel like Joe. I'm too old for this. <laughs> Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scores. As we said, Keith, you can have the perfect defense called. You can force him out of the pocket, but you're not going to beat him. Booyah! Welcome to episode 166 of the S&D Podcast Show. It's the first episode of 2017, and it is a sad two-year anniversary of the loss of the great Stuart Scott, so we had a booyah to start the episode. Steven is here. After a wonderful, wonderful New Year's Eve. Dan, how was your New Year's? It was much better. I survived Steve, so haha. Um, it's crazy to think Stuart Scott has unfortunately passed away two years ago. It's uh, really scary. It's not scary, but it's really crazy to think how quick two years happens. It felt like pretty much not, obviously not yesterday, but it feels like it happened like really like early, uh, sooner than it, really, two years. So, sorry to hear about the two-year anniversary of Stuart Scott. Vin, head feeling better? I'm feeling much better. Uh, <laughs> Stephen and I, you guys don't know, we all spent uh, New Year's together, me and Stephen and a bunch of our friends, and I may have been the one that went overboard, And uh, but we're all here. We're all good we're now, we're all good, good, happy, healthy, everything was great, and uh, now we're ready for some playoff football. Uh, last week we may ever have been on the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's we're gonna see how it goes. All I gotta say is, Dan, four years we finally get to talk giant playoff football. I know that's that's all I'm excited about, and unfortunately the media is ruining it. Well, never but, on the show have we talked giant playoff football. We've never got this to talk first never. giant playoff preview. We've show. only been able to reminisce about giant in playoff the football. History of the S and D podcast. Right. Finally, that. Wow. I don't even think we had a Jet one. Have the Jets made the playoffs since we started? No, no, no. The first New York football playoff SD podcast show. You know, my coworker's a Jet fan, and he goes, I still can't believe we beat the Jets on something. I go, you had to. You lost them last year, week 17. You had to make up for it. Yeah. It took you a year to finally get that week 17 win against Buffalo. The year they need losses, they beat Buffalo twice. The year they need wins, they lost Buffalo twice. So Buffalo. So Buffalo for never up a kick return. 
<laughs> that, that, was, <laughs> that was the greatest play of all time, by the way. That was, hands down, we greatest were, moment of all time. Steven and I were sitting there watching the game, and he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that was, that was one of a kind. Phenomenal. Can I please put in a request to the NFL? No matter what's going on in Week 17, if you're, whatever your lo- whatever games are on, if it's not the local teams, or even if it is local teams and the games mean nothing, picture in picture with a good game. Yeah. I don't care if um, I don't have audio with the with a crappy game. I get it. Red zone is the way to go on on weeks like this. Right. But not everybody has red zone. So we, we had the pick between the Cowboy game and the Jet game this week. It was. Yeah, I was at my grandma's too, so I didn't have red zone luxury as well. So yeah, we but watched yeah, the Jet game. Week seventeen, you have every game that's important on the television. Well, even if it's a I understand you want the Jet game on, so give me picture in picture. Give me Jets on a big, like, you know, do one of those direct TV type things on both channels if you have to. They also all have second channels and third channels they can put games on. Like, you could put a game on Fox Sports 1. Week 17, exactly. if there are multiple games on, Fox should be using those other channels, you know? I, I would. Doesn't, doesn't NBC do that with soccer? With, yes, uh, Fox, uh, I think Sportsnet. they do. They do it with March and, Madness. They do every friggin' channel they have. They use Fuse. Yeah, well, yeah, CBS kills it with that. Yeah, with TV, T, TBS, TNT, and True Court and TV, all and, yeah, Court TV. NHL playoffs do it also. Yeah, it's on everything. Yeah, NBC do. Sports and NBC and everything. MSNBC. Yeah, it's on the it's on you know CNBC whatever. So that that's just my. But the problem with that. But the problem with that is DirecTV is eventually going to have a problem with that because that's the whole point of having DirecTV right. is to have the package. So yeah, I, guess. I could see the goods and bads of it on both sides. Uh, yes. But I'm also sure, you know, you know, that could also be a marketing thing for DirecTV. Oh, definitely. You know, if you do it once a week for people who don't have DirecTV. Right. Once a year. Once a year, you right. know, for week 17, you're going... Oh my God! This is great. Those people have Directv. This must be great for them. And put some Directv commercials in there too. You know, you want this every week? Get Directv. Right. You know, you mention it. You know, you have the you have the Fox guys. You have the the CBS guys mentioning. You know, you, you like what you see on TV with the multiple games. Check out Directv. You know, it. Or check out the Red Zone, so you can buy that package. Things like that. Of course. NFL on week seventeen. NFL Network itself should be Red Zone. That should, that'd be a good idea, yeah. You know, because people will watch NFL Network just because, you know, the games that are on on their local channels suck, and, you know, you'll get reviews of games and things going on on games they're talking about throughout the day. You throw Red Zone in there and be like, oh my god, this is great. Imagine I had this for the past 16 weeks. Right, and Red Zone is, is an NFL product, so they're not going to lose any money by, by showing of it course. for a day. Right. Of course. Gonna, no sponsors. Are gonna, I mean, the sponsor might get mad, but, I mean, Whatever. It's one week. You, you throw a couple more commercials in. You could right. throw commercials in there. You don't right, have to. Exactly. You know, during halftime, right. you go run 20 minutes of commercials. Who cares? Right. You know, you're like, just recapping what's going on. But when, they don't run commercials on Red Zone. run commercials on NFL Network. Right. You could have an extra box that has a commercial on it, and you have the volume playing over the commercial. Something like that, yeah. Okay. So, with that being said, it is playoff season, like we all mentioned, and... You know, it's the wild card weekend, which means four teams are off this week with a bye week. So, that being said, it's time to go into our leadoff. Leading off. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, four teams, like we said, have bye weeks this week. And, you know, we decided, is it good? Is it bad? Is it something? 
that you want to talk about. And, you know, I look at it as 07 Giants, the way I personally look at it. 07 Giants didn't have a bye week. They played till last week, they had to play, and then they went into the playoffs full steam ahead, had to play four weeks to win the Super Bowl. 11 Giants, same thing, had to play four weeks, had to win week 17, had to play four weeks, had to play the four weeks, had to go all the way in. The 08 Giants, you know, great season, Stuart Plaxico, you know, get a bye week, they're off the first week, they throw up a dud against the the Panthers, I think, no, the Eagles. No, Eagles, Eagles came Eagles. into town and th- threw up a dud. You know, the 11 Giants go into Green Bay. They put up a dud. The Packers, you can you could arguably say. Yeah. The Packers put up a dud, you know. In my opinion, playing four weeks, especially if you clinch a couple weeks early, look at look at what Elliot came out and said and said, I'm pissed. I wanted to play. It's part of my routine. I needed to get my reps in because I'm not getting reps in next week. I can't guarantee I'll be 100% in the first quarter in two weeks. In my opinion, that bye week is important. Is not not as important as people think, and I think it could actually ruin teams. I mean, minus you know, look at the Patriots. Was it thirteen straight years of a bye week or something like that? Some, some ridiculous number. Seems I think, like it feels like it. Right, every year Brady's ever played in the playoffs, I don't think they've had a. I don't think they've ever had a bye week. Maybe it is. I don't even know at this point. But I'd like to look at it actually. You know, he's been to the playoffs every year except two. One of them he was out. Since 11, since 01. So that's like 14 years now, 15 years. And he probably had 10 buys at least. So Yeah, I think so. They know how to handle it. But it's really, I think it's on your coaching staff. You, You gotta have the coaching staff to get your team ready. I personally, because of what the question is going, I don't like having a bye. I'd rather be in the scenario of having, of being the third seed, playing your home game against the bottom seed, and then playing, and then, you know, playing a team that is very close to you in record, it's the two seed. And then hopefully, you I mean, you might have to go play the one seed, but whatever. I would rather be the, th- be the third seed, I think, is the best uh, spot. Dead. Um, see, I agree with Vin with the whole coaching staff thing. Uh, it really is how they handle when they win the division. And I, I think if the team is uh, limping into the playoffs, I think the bye week is a perfect opportunity to heal up because everybody's, everybody's banged up at this case uh, in point in time. So for them to get healed up as much as they possibly can and just scout report the two the teams that they could possibly play, I have no problem with it. It's the teams that bench their guys week 16, week 17, and then they're off the week. Obviously, they're still preparing really hard, but they don't have the juices going, and then they haven't played in three or four weeks, and they're rusty as whole hell, and everybody wonders why the number one seed gets eliminated in the division round. It happens oh, oh too often. Yeah. So it really depends on on the team. It, I, I really, it's a team-to-team basis. I know I said that last week about the playing week 16 and week 17 if you don't have anything to play for. But it's really true because some, t- some case in point is the key guys don't play for a legit game for three weeks. If you really look at it, if they start not playing week 16 and then week 17, they don't play at all. 
and then they have the bye week, and then they have the division round. So that's at least three weeks in some scenarios that they don't have key situations playing. You know, there was a stat, interestingly, came out recently. Um, something about three out of four, of, or four of the last four, maybe, number one versus number one in the Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm like looking it up, and you know, Seattle, Denver, was, was that was one 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 one, which was thirteen fourteen. Right. Uh, Patriots, Seahawks. Patriots, Seahawks were both one one the following year. And then La- last year's Super Bowl was Denver, Denver, Carolina. Denver, Carolina. See, that's it. Also depends on what kind of team you have. I think. I, you have to in all these situations. I pretty much take the Patriots out of it. They're their own beast. They're they're a completely different thing. If you're a let's say you're the or a Packers, a Falcons, somebody like that with a, a, a tempo offense and a high octane offense that has to be on point, a, a week off could alter that you know that timing. And then if you're not you know on point in the first quarter and a half, you could be. You know, don't. You look at last year, the Panthers, they had the bye week, and they came out, both their games, and steamrolled the team they played early in the game. They, they got a big on Seattle, assuming a comeback, and then they blew out the Cardinals. That's a defensive team with a, a, a deep passing offense. There's not a lot of timing in that offense. And same thing with uh, the Seattle team that played the Patriots. That's a defensive team, obviously. And Seattle, when they won it. So, you know, in, in my opinion, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'd rather not have the bye, but if you have a, a defensive team, it really can only help the defense. It's the offense, really, that you think you have to worry about. Right. If you're, like, like, look at the Giants this year, the number one in the top five defenses, you know, that's about a ri- They're in a rhythm, and, you know. But I think rest know. can only help a defense. They're all beat up. Right, especially guys like Vernon. They said like they some there was some ridiculous number that came out of the Giants like fifteen hundred or two thousand snaps or something like that. Played like ninety percent of them. Vernon's played like ninety eight percent of like over a thousand snaps this season. That's a lot of snaps for a football player. Yeah. Oh yeah. What anybody says. Especially for a guy who in his in his position is constantly running, getting beat up by the other team's best offensive line. And, and not forget, he did right. have a broken wrist at the start of the season, too. Right. So, it really was an impressive season by him. He's earning that money. Alrighty. So, with that being said, it is playoff week. So, it is violence in season. And we'll be right back in. of the S&D Podcast Show. You were just listening to Violence in the Season for the playoff season. So we are going to now preview Rivalry Week on the S&D Podcast Show as the New York Giants travel to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers. 
Um, boys, you want to break down the uh, keys to the the game for the Giants? What do they have to do to, to take down Aaron Rodgers and the, the Green Bay offense? Keep doing what they do. Keep on doing what they're doing on defense. Um, defense, uh, just play smart, physical defense. Um, as for the contain, offense, contain Rodgers also. Don't forget, you got to yeah. contain oh, yeah. Rodgers. Contain Rodgers, read your keys dives. on D-line and, and linebacks, linebackers. you got to just read those keys, man, all day long. got to just put them on his back. Um, as for the offense, we know it's been 17 weeks, so I'm not going to harp on it because it's uh, we're beating it to a dead horse. Can the offense line have Eli stand up straight for more than four seconds? And can Eli be able to handle it? So, with that said, can Eli take care of business? Can, can Eli be playoff Eli? And that will be our only way of competing in this game is if Eli shows up. Well, honestly. If, if or want, the running game shows up. If you want to look back a little on our matchup in October, two plays. Literally, Eli makes two or three plays in there. And it's a completely different game. I think the final was like 24-19 or something like that. Yeah, something in that area. Yeah, it was one of those last-minute touchdowns for the Giants. (laughs) But they needed one stop, and they just just didn't get that stop. And that's the difference between our October defense and our going-into-January defense is they weren't able to make that stop in October where now it feels like every single play they can make the stop. Well, if you remember in the October game, Eli Apple and DRC were both hurt that game. Right, they so were both hurt. And, play a lot. and Jake Pedro, had two touchdowns, uh, two picks in that game. Picks, also. yeah, and uh, and the running game was nowhere near the existence of what it is today. Um, Jennings was hurt, and Vereen. That's when Vereen the week before that Vereen got hurt. So it was the Giants were really banged up at this at this uh, juncture of the season, and. Uh, not to mention uh, Vernon had a broken rest. There was no excuses. The Giants didn't. They, the Packers gave them every opportunity to come back and win this game, and the Giants just didn't take it from them. So, Giants on had Sunday, one bad defensive drive in that game, and it was the beginning of the game. It was that first drive. Remember, we gave we gave the Packers the ball. We put the defense. Yeah, that on was the another field. dumb thing too. But that's here or there. We we have a team that's built around this defense. We paid two hundred million dollars for a defense. You know, you're you're trust you well, the toss, four, you trust your defense. Well, well, week four we didn't have that defense yet. So at that time I thought it was a stupid move. Well, with the offense playing the way it was, you know, it didn't really matter at that point. So yeah. but, you know, that was then, this is now, you know, no JPP of course, you know, we got Hopefully Jen, uh, Jenkins is getting right. I know he's been a little iffy at practice. Um, yeah, he was limited today on uh, Wednesday. So with that being said, I'm sure he'll be fine on Sunday, and I'm, we know he'll be out there. Um, you know, I got asked this interesting question, Dan, on the Rising Apple. Who goes one-on-one with Jordy? I want to hear what you think. What do you think? Who's guarding Not Jordy? Not Rising Apple on uh, the Weissman and Otis show. What? Yeah, wrong. Who's going to say? Why is Rising <laughs> Wrong sport. Apple asking you about football. Who's guarding Jordy? Who's guarding All Jordy? Right. Uh, see, this is the tricky question. It is. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go with uh, Jackrabbit. Are you? I'm I don't going know. Jackrabbit. I don't know. I don't know. 
I'm I'm taking know. him I'm taking him off Jordy. You know why? DRC's the downfield guy. Jordy's biggest that threat is, is that Good downfield point. threat. So let DRC go foot for foot with with him. You know, you don't want you yeah, don't want Jordy getting true. behind him with his bad back. Yeah, that's a good point. As a, a, but, a Packer fan, um, that's to me that's the move because our offense, this like like you said, Jordy's the downfield threat. You know, you you always see they run that play action, everybody goes right, Rogers rolls out left or the other way around, whatever, and they're trying to hit Jordy downfield. What's DRC, the latest? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what's the latest on Cobb? Um, I don't think honestly. I don't think he's. Um, I, I, I think he's still questionable, but I don't know if he's gonna. I really don't think he's gonna play because they both last two weeks they've said that he's a game time decision and it's questionable, and then he hasn't played. Obviously, last week didn't mean as much. Um, I don't think he's gonna play though. But okay. Um, so that means Geronimo Allison. Well, Geronimo and, Allison uh, has been really been stepping up lately. Yeah, he he has. And it's just guys out of nowhere that that have been stepping up. And I think as for the more intermediate routes, the curl routes and stop routes and things like that, Devontae Adams has been the guy who I know I crushed him all year last year. He's been yes. a standout this year. He's been great. Jenkins is probably better off to to cover him. So yeah, I mean, not looking looking at it and hearing you guys out, I I, I have to agree with you on that. Um, well, of course it comes down to, again, you know, who, they talked about this Sunday night constantly. What is Aaron Rodgers pointing at as the biggest key to the Packers' success the past, what is it, six weeks, seven weeks? Jericho, at tight end position. Yeah. Who's shadowing the yeah. tight end this week? Um, A.K.A. Giants' biggest problem. So, yeah, it's always an issue with the Giants, of course. It's, it's the Giants' biggest issue since, uh, I don't uh, since Bavaro left, I think I think that was the problem. Bavaro was that good that we've never been able to cover a tight end. <laughs> Your good tight end leaves, so you can't. Our cover great Brandon tight end, because it was so hard to defend him in practice, we never figured it out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Cobb practiced on a limited basis today. He said he felt better, so I, he might play, but I don't. I'm not counting on him to be honest. Okay. But Jared Cook has been a huge part of this offense. There's been a lot of plays where it looks like he, neither of them are even paying attention, and all of a sudden, the ball's just in his hands. Like, he just looks up, and the ball's right there. Rodgers has been on point, and, uh, I mean, but, yeah, Jared Cook is a well, downfield threat. It's been a big, uh, big help. All right, Vin, so what's, what's your keys for the Packers uh, to beat the <laughs> Giants? Say cheese. Uh, it's the, the cheese to the game. Did Whoa! He say, did he say cheese? I said cheese. No, he I said, said keys, but I'm making I, it the cheese to I the totally game. I totally heard cheese. I don't know why. <laughs> cheese to the game. Um, keys to the Definitely game. Definitely didn't say cheese, yeah. Or Nacho cheese. <laughs> number one uh, is obviously containing the Giants' pass rush. Uh, basically, stop blocking Vernon, snacks, being able to run the ball on that defensive line, which they have been able to do. Tom Montgomery and, Chris, and uh, Christy Michael have run the ball well. Their fullback, Aaron Rutkowski, has also run the ball pretty well lately, short yardage-wise. So that's the first thing. Containing the defensive line, run the ball. Um, Got to be able, to me, if they put up 21 points in this game, they win. Just the way the Giants offense has been playing lately, if they put up 21 points, it shouldn't be a problem. Now, 
defensively, obviously, the key is Beckham because Beckham has been the Giants, most of the Giants' offense lately. They have been running the ball well. Paul Perkins, I like what I've seen with Paul Perkins. You're, you know, you mentioned that earlier, but it's stopping Beckham, and that's not going to be easy because. Every single cornerback you've ever signed this year has been on the IR. Uh, Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins both got hurt last week, but it wasn't. Se- I don't think it was that serious. Demarius Randall has been playing like poop. Um, he was also hurt, but they showed you know they they show the the Pro Football Focus rankings now on Sunday Night Football. I think he was ranked one seventeen out of one hundred nineteen corners, so <laughs> it wasn't very good. Um, so he's going to guard Beckham. Got it. Yeah, I. There are other corners. Darius Gunther, who's a, a rookie, who's very extremely raw, and I don't think is uh, should be covering Beckham, but they might make him do it anyway. Um, defensively, besides stopping Beckham, is containing that running because of the way their defense has been running lately is that if they can stop the run with basically Morgan Burnett playing linebacker, they can cover tight ends better, they can cover, um, just play a better zone up front and have HaHa kind of be, play center field, and the defense just runs better with him basically playing linebacker as a strong safety. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I'm not, I never say I'm confident when I'm playing the Giants. I've seen them, you know, I've seen the Giants beat, the Packers too many times now that I'm not going to say I'm confident, but it's definitely going to be a very good competitive game. You should be worried. The Giants have officially named their corners, the secondary, the NYPD, the New York Cast Defense. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's what they call them. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's their problem. I think all three, I think now we have three of... Three guys from our secondary have been Defensive Player of the Week this year. Yeah. Jenkins win one? Yes, uh, the Cowboy Week. And we had JPP uh, win uh, as well. The Browns, so right. I forget who. Yeah. Collins. Collins has won it like 12 Jenkins. times. Yeah. DRC won it like for the game on Sunday. Oh, two did picks. he? Okay, had right. Had two picks. Okay. He had the big week. No, and the ha-ha sack. On Beckham? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, ha-ha doesn't <laughs> cover people. Ha-ha is it's very much, like I said, if... if when their defense is at its best, he's playing center field. That's his job. He's not playing middle linebacker like um, like the good like the good safeties no. play these days. He doesn't. Well, he Morgan Burnett's playing. Like I said Morgan Morgan Burnett's playing linebacker. Yeah, but he's also playing nickel. Last week he was playing nickel. Well, that's the thing. If the corners are healthy, Micah Hyde usually plays nickel. Right, right. Hyde was playing nickel. Hyde, was so right. Hyde will be on Cruz probably. No, he'll probably be on Shepard. Shepard. Shepard goes in the slot. And then Gunther's gonna be on. On Shepard, it's gonna be an inter- like they're both rookies. It's gonna be an interesting matchup, and then Cruz uh, Beckham's gonna be on whoever we else is healthy, pretty much. But you know that's a that's a fun matchup that you get to watch. Then yeah. two rookies going at it in a playoff game in January. Right. Who's gonna Who's succeeding? Right. Who's gonna be the guy who goes to McCarthy and be like he can't guard me? It's, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Um, to me, the biggest key of the game overall. The biggest X factor of the game, both sides, is Eli Manning, and you guys mentioned it before, because if he he makes some throws that are just not indicative of the quarterback we all know he is, but and then, he can't th- turn the ball over as well. He he needs to be clean. Yeah. Well, uh, that's I mean that's always it's kind of stupid to say whoever of wins course. the turnover battle wins the game because that's just usually what it is, but it's like in a game that's going to be this close, it's imperative. 
that yes. you can't turn the ball over. Because I every time I say this, he turns the ball over. So, but I'm going to say it anyway. Rodgers just doesn't turn the ball over. It's it, He's thrown seven interceptions in this season. He's thrown single-digit interceptions every season of his life. I think except for one, he threw ten. And it, he just... He might take a sack or two, or he might, you know, throw it away. But he very rarely just throws interceptions. You know how Eli's got to be? He's got to be as cool as the other side of the pillow. Anything to get a Stewart squat. I, that was a good one. That was a good one. Good. I think that was a good spot for that. That was not it. <laughs> I gave myself brownie points for that one. That was a, uh, a cheese to the game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm going to stop using that for now. Oh. God, I can't this believe that. This just got really off the rails happened. a little bit. This is what happens. Our last show is as, as the three of us being friends. <laughs> we're we're trying to get some good, uh, some no, good then fun. No, we'll, you and me will still be friends. I'm, there's no question about. It. I don't know about you and Steve. But wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Dan? You are you've always been respectful about the Giants. I know you're a knowledgeable fan. Steven, on the other hand, likes to poke fun. Often. Says the guy who sends me the scoreboard from the Appalachian State Michigan game like every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> once. I send you it on the anniversary every year. That's about it. That's funny. Anyway, that, that hurts as much as the cowboy fan yelling Tiki Barber at me. Does it? It doesn't hurt that does, much. Does it, it doesn't hurt at all. I no, it doesn't it hurt at all. Not anymore. Well, not like he was at the game. That's the other thing. That was an early season game. If that was like. If there was some reason playing Appalachian State in December, then it would have been a problem. You mean like LSU and Bama and all the SEC teams played the Division Six schools every year and well, uh, the play high school teams. But I, I, I don't. You never. You didn't seem to be annoyed about it. But the block punt thing against Michigan State probably was more annoying. Obviously, from last year, that one hurt more because be- it was Michigan State. Because it was Michigan State, and also no, that was the Met game they won, so it didn't hurt as much. That was Game 3 of the World Series. Was it? That was Game 3 of the World Series. Interesting. What did we do Game 3 of the World Series? I was at Game 3. We won. Noah threw oh, yeah. it at uh, yeah. first pitch. I Noah threw it. Right. So, Just it doesn't hurt. It, you know, it was, really... it was nice. It hurt until, until Noah the took the mound and, and, you know, you got to forget about tried it. Tried to kill C.D.'s Escobar. And you know what? That was also first Harbaugh's first year. Right. You know, you're not, the expectations, you know. You weren't expecting to be that to be nine and three like they ended up ten and three whatever they were. All all I gotta say is two years in a row now of Michigan State and Ohio State putting up zeros in the college football playoffs. Just saying, two years well, in a row. You both you lost two to Oklahoma or whatever it was. Florida State. Sorry, Florida State. I'm still vouching Delvin Cook's going to be the better player in college in, in the pros. He's going to be the best running back in the pros. I'll take it. Rookie falls to the Giants. No, yeah. we're getting the kid from Texas. See, Deontay we, Freeman. Steven and I were having this Freeman, conversation. or whatever his name is. The other night, and he, you know, Steven's not a big fan of Leonard Fournette, Dan, you know that. And yeah. I was just thinking about I it. I I'm not a big fan of him. I'm just not, like... If you look at Leonard Fournette, he's Darren McFed. It's yeah, just, he's It's the same the thing. It's the same body type, the same type of player, you know. It, so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bode well for him. But with that being said, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back and uh, we got a special talk. guest on the other yeah, side of this break. Yeah, talk to our special guest. We'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to the S&D Podcast Show. This is episode 166, the first of the 2017 season. Once again, that was Division 1.1 with violence in season because it is playoff season. So, there is a special guest on the line now. First time. Uh, welcome to the show, Mighty. What's going on? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be part of your first of the year. So, um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail this right on the mark. Cowboys, Syracuse, right? Really? Cowboys, That's Syracuse. about it. Yep. It's the yeah, Cowboys and Syracuse. Sarah, Cowboys and Syracuse. Okay. Got yeah. it. Okay. So, e. considering she has a nice bye week this year, yes. let's uh, let's recap a little bit. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, your Cowboys season? Um, I couldn't be happier, especially coming off of last season um from the beginning you know there were a lot of defensive concerns we were coming off of having one of the worst defenses in the league last year and i'm not sure what it was about you know just the transition from last year to this one everybody seemed to step up and do what they needed to do mo claiborne has had a breakout year it's a shame he got injured when he did he's been pretty I, I would say a lot of us thought he was overrated most of the time he's been with us, and he's been an underperformer, but he just stepped up and has been one of the key players on defense. Um, another guy I would have to give a nod to that was you know, inappropriately excluded from the Pro Bowl consideration is Sean Lee. Um, he's been just probably the he's, – he's probably the, you know, godfather of our defense, if I could put it that way. Um, but between that and then with having the best run D in the league, I don't think we've let a single rusher go 100 yards on us. I think we did end the season with that. And we are top five as far as the least amount of points allowed. Um, so that's – that's and they've exceeded our expectations, and I'm very happy about that. And as far as the offense goes, I – can't say enough about our offensive line. Uh, they've really been the stars of the show. And I remember watching when Romo would have to run around on the field fighting for his life because we had an offensive line, the strength of tissue paper. So it's been wonderful knowing that whoever we put behind them is going to be safe. They are going to be protected and they're going to create opportunities for either the quarterback or the running back and leading into that conversation, how fortuitous are we to have two of the best quarterbacks, um, you know, in, well, in the NFC for sure, in the NFC East, absolutely. But just in, in general, I mean, Dak Prescott, he's been in the top three, top five of QBR the entire season with the likes of Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's, that's something to be really proud of for a rookie. And you can't just say it's the offensive line. I mean, we've, we just put Mark Sanchez behind that O-line. He, he couldn't do shit. So, except, I don't know, make up for all those missed passes from when he was on the Eagles because uh, he, he passed it to him plenty in that game. But um, And then we've got Zeke, Zeke the freak of nature. There's really not much to say about him. He's just that kid can bulldoze through anything. When he decides he wants to get a first down, he's getting it. He will take tacklers with him. He doesn't care. I really fear for his mental capacity at the end of his career because that kid can take a hit and keep on running. But um, he's he's incredible, and I'm very, very happy Jerry made the decision to draft him. Well, well, you mentioned your defense being bad. Well, 
as Giant fans, we know what, exactly what it's like to have a turnaround season when it comes to defense being historically bad last year and now being one of the top five in the league. Um, but you mentioned Zeke, of course. And Prescott, do you think that the two of them will probably take away from each other when it comes to an MVP voting? Um, if if you're talking about like rookie MVP, no. Zeke has it over Dak. Uh, he does. Um you can tell you can tell by the pattern of the play calling for Dak. I mean, he's he's an options quarterback. There's been a very limited playbook for him. Um, they I feel that they've called plays, you know, Linehan, between Linehan and Garrett, they've called plays to put Dak in a good position to manage the games. He's still a great quarterback. I'm not saying at all that they're making this a paint by numbers situation for him, but Zeke I think really has been the breakout rookie of the year. I, Dak is wonderful. Dak is incredible. I've I've never seen a rookie play with such composure and with such poise, especially when he's under pressure. But we've seen we've seen where he's faltered. We've seen where he's succumbed to that pressure on the defense and where he needs to, you know, improve on some of his skills. And he's going to. He's absolutely going to. But if you're going to make me choose one or the other, I really think. It's it's really strongly in favor of Zeke getting it over Dak. Um, you mentioned them, of course, as rookies. Um, does that worry you going into January? Because you know, playoff football is a different beast than the regular season. Are you worried at all about them being under the lights, under the pressure of the postseason? I'm not. I'm not worried about Zeke uh, as much because, like I said, I feel like I. Feel I mean, I look at him, he's he's like a Tasmanian devil. He's like the bull, and he just sees red when you put the ball in his hands. He just really seems to ha- turn on this instinctive nature when he gets the ball in his hands, and he just does what he's put out there to do. I, I don't think he knows anything but to play football and be great at it. Um, as far as Dak goes... There's a bit more pressure there. I'm not sure if you watched um, before our game against Detroit. They had a little spot on the, I think it was Keyshawn Johnson interviewed them. And they were saying, you know, what do you like? Basically, what do you like about each other? And Zeke said about Dak, he's got to control the line. He's got to, you know, call the plays. He's got to make sure everybody's set. He's got to find, you know, either the receivers or whatever it is. So Dak's got a lot more responsibility in terms terms of multitasking and like I said we've seen where he's kind of succumbed to the pressure you know he's got to have a really sharp downfield focus he's got to have better back arm awareness of when that pressure is coming at him he's got to know when to make a play and get out of the pocket if he needs to he also needs to learn when to slide he terrifies me when he runs and he doesn't slide there's a rule for quarterbacks for a reason Dak you just got to slide don't try to be a hero getting hurt so I think I think I'm a little bit more concerned as far as Dak goes because he's he's very smart he's very mature and he has a really good football IQ and that intellect is going to cause him to acknowledge the amount of responsibility on his shoulders going into January and I just don't want it to become too much of a mental block for him. Um, so speaking of, of Dak and. It seems like so long ago that the debate was going on, but would you have stuck with him instead of going to Romo or at least giving Romo a shot? Or would you have, you know, if he was your choice, would 
would you have just stuck with that? Um, I would have, I would have started, well, not necessarily started, but I would have brought Romo in earlier, um, in the season, pretty much as soon as he was really, truly 100% ready to go. I would have brought Romo back in just because, you know, I, Romo's, I'm a Romo fan. I absolutely teared up. I'm not going to lie. I'm not ashamed of it. I teared up and I cried when I watched his presser, uh, that he gave at the star facility a couple months ago, essentially handing the reins over to Dak. But I just for the sake of the team and the success of the team and knowing what our odds were of making a Super Bowl run this year, I would have gotten Romo into rotation a lot sooner. Um, I don't necessarily love the chemistry argument. There's one player on that offense that Romo hasn't taken snaps with in that Zeke. I mean, he it's not an issue of chemistry. That is Romo's O-line. Those are his receivers that he's been playing with. That's not really... That was never the concern for me. It's more or less just keep everything comfortable, make the chemistry go spread as far down the depth chart as possible. So I personally would have brought Romo out sooner, but you know, I'm not the coach, I'm not the GM and I'm not Jerry. I'm not, I'm obviously not upset with the way it went. And I'm very happy that I got to, you know, I got home from, uh, wherever the heck I was, um, New York, just in time, um, to catch Romo's one and only series against the Eagles. And it was beautiful. I mean, he gets out there and you see there's, I don't know what rust there's, there's none. He's, he's a true athlete and he's a true quarterback and he knows what he's doing, but I would have brought him out sooner just to make sure he stays as warm as the rest of the team. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I can see where you're saying with that because it's Tony, your guy, but that, earned every minute of every snap that he got this season other than the two giant games one was his first ever first start and the other was his first really cold game it wasn't really that cold but it was a big game so it was normal to see him play not as great as Stack has played throughout the season so um i could see where you're saying going for that but what my next question is for the cowboys to make it to super bowl 51 <laughs> What is your keys? What do you what do you think for them to advance to the uh, NFC Championship game and uh, hopefully, well, not hopefully, I'm a Giant fan, or to get to the Super Bowl 51? What do you, what do you think are the keys for Dallas this year? Keep on going. Um, well, the number one thing everybody would say is to stay healthy. We're dealing oh, with a lot of injuries right now. Just play, playing a lot smarter. I think we get in our own way a lot. Um, we there should be no there should be no false starts. You know there should be um, no offensive penalties like that. No delay of games. There are holds on every single play, but just playing as clean as possible. Um, just. I, I don't know. I think that's I think that's really it is just us staying out of our own way, um, avoiding those flags that have really screwed us on a lot of games that games ended up being a lot closer than they needed to be. Um, and 
we need we need the players. We really need the players to step up and fight for the plays that they need to make. You know, number one that comes to my mind, and everybody knows that this is my guy. So I'm trying to be objective. Des Des can't cry for a flag every single time he doesn't make a catch. There are times when it's very obvious and the flag should be thrown, but there are other times it's like, okay, just fight for it. You know, we've and that's something that we've seen him on the sidelines mentoring. Bryce Butler and Terrence Williams on fight, you know, fight for those, lay your body out, stretch your hands out, try to get those balls. You got to try to make the catch whether or not you think you deserve a flag. Des needs to do that too sometimes. And he's our veteran wide receiver. He's, you know, kind of the leader of this team right now since Romo's been out and he needs to play like he is. Um, and then on defense, same thing, you know, Orlando Skandrick, he's been, he's been one of the veteran you know, defensive guys that we've had, but he has terrible ball skills. Like he'll, he'll stop a guy, he'll tackle a guy, but he makes no play for the ball. Like if you can intercept that, if you can force that fumble, you need to do it. You need to, you need, you know, you need to fight for those opportunities because that can change a whole game. So I think it's just playing a lot cleaner, playing a lot more disciplined, and really fighting for those big plays that when it's coming your way, you need to make it. It is on you. I'm the first one to say, you know, football is a team sport. You can't pin success or failure on one player, but when when big things like that happen or fail to happen, you know, that could have turned over the whole flow of a game, and you, you can't risk that. Um, so you mentioned that is with the flag thing. And, you know, calling for plays, these guys got to realize, that, again, January football is a different beast. You know, guys, refs are going to let them play. They got they got to realize it. And you you have a good point. They're young also. That's also another thing. Especially, that's my fear with the Giants, them being so young. Um, I was a guest on one of our podcasts the other day on our channel called uh, The Weissman and I Show. And they asked me my biggest fear, and it was, we have a young team. So, you know, you got to rely on guys like Dez and Witten. Especially, you know, those vets to really, uh, really push them forward and help them deal with the pressure of being in January football. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's really, that's what it is. Um, and it seems, you know, I do think as a player, Dak seems to be a lot, you know, he's kind of beyond his years in terms of his, you know, on the field performance, but that doesn't mean he's not a rookie. That doesn't mean he's not fresh out of college. And, you know, he played, for, he played for Mississippi state, not to knock Mississippi state, but the, he didn't come from Alabama. He didn't come from, you know, one of these big 10 schools, Mississippi states there. He, he didn't come from the greatest football breeding. So he really was a catalyst for a, a different type of football in Mississippi. And we're seeing that this year. They're struggling a lot without him this year. But um, I just, I wonder, you know, how much is the pressure going to get to him? That's, of course, my concern. But I'm, I'm glad that we have Romo still. I am glad that he was not shipped out of Dallas. I'm glad that he's got such a staunch supporter in Jerry Jones because Romo's been a great mentor to him. I actually ran into Romo when I was touring the star um, 
back in October. And he's just he's just a, the great guy you would expect him to be. And he's been a really big believer in Dak. And I think, you know, Dak needs to remember he's got the support of his team and the fact that they've rallied behind these young players. And even that rookie on the defense, Anthony Brown, we don't want to ignore him. He's really stepped up and he's done a lot of great things as our rookie corner when he needed to, when we lost Church and Claiborne and we had to do a lot of shifting on the defense. So it's just keeping these guys focused and keeping them grounded. Uh, so I definitely share your sentiments with the young team concerns. Uh, while the, the Cowboys, you know, we mentioned all the stars, Romo and Dez and, and Zeke and Dak, the, the kind of, I guess, secondary players that they've had make the, uh, big impacts, I think is a, one of the bigger keys to them, you know, going 14 and two Cole Beasley, I feel like is open on every single play. I don't know how that's possible. And I don't know his first name, uh, Irving, the defensive tackle. The kid they picked off, I think it was Jack yeah, Eagles practice. Yeah, he course. seems to be, you know, at the quarterback every single play. You know, uh, what do you think about those guys as, like, you know, unsung heroes of the team? Oh, absolutely. And I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even call... Cole Beasley, an unsung hero. I mean, he has had a really, really great year. And, you know, that's one of that's one of my favorite, the most exciting things to me about this this roster and the way it's playing this, this year is our offense is pick your poison. If you want to stack the box and try to stop Zeke, well, you've just opened up Dez, you've opened up Cole, you've opened up T-Will, you've opened up Bryce if he's out there, you've opened up Witten. But if you want to try and cover those guys, you've got a lot of receivers you got to cover. Now Zeke can make a run for it and take it to the house on you. So it's, I think that's very exciting. I love Cole Beasley. I love what he's brought to this offense. I mean, everybody gets on Dez for not being a great route runner. Runner, Cole Beasley can run a great route. He's very quick. I've seen him break, you know, defenders' ankles as if it were a basketball game. I mean, I love, I love what Cole Beasley has done uh, for this team. And he, you're right. He does seem to be open on almost every play. And I, I do think it's because they assume, you know, Dak's gonna, if he's passing it, he's gonna go to Des or he's gonna go to T. Will. Um, but Beasley's always there. He's, he's definitely always an option, and he's a really reliable uh, receiver receiver, which is very important. The one thing I'll always say about Jason Witten, he's old reliable. You can always rely on him on those, you know, short passes where you need to just pick up that first down real quick. Always dump it off to Witten. That was when I was learning how to play Madden. That was my go-to play. <laughs> the short pass to Witten. I mean, I, you know, as a Giant fan, you know, the Cowboys are one of those teams I'm supposed to hate. And, you know, as a Met fan, the Yankees are one of those teams. And I don't defend it's the Rangers. But, you know, you got those guys you 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 always root against when you're facing, but you respect no matter what. And winning will always be, like, if I ever had, like, a if I ever had to make a, have a favorite Cowboy player, it would be Jason Witten. There's no reason not to like Jason Witten. I, agree, I can't agree with you more. And... And I and I and I like that. I like you know what you said is you you've got those players and those teams that when you're going against them you can't stand them and you want them to do badly. Never want them to get injured, but you definitely want them to do badly and lose. But if you're a fan of the sport and if you love the game, then you have to respect certain players. And I I put Witten up there. One player that I've respected his entire career was Peyton Manning. Um, 
uh, always respected him and what he did. And it's as much as I hate to say it, just because I'm surrounded by these people, um, Tom Brady, he is a hell of a quarterback. He is a great football player. And it annoys me being in the middle of Pat's nation that these people can't accept that anybody else could possibly be good. Um, so it kind of makes me hate the Patriots because their fans are awful. Um, I, I got to respect them. Also, Belichick, I respect the hell out of Bill Belichick, despite the cheating. That's not I, cool. I, I, I respect got, him because he was a giant coach. But We got two more Cowboy questions, and then we'll talk a little bit of league. All right, Mike? All right. All right. The first one is, um, the first one is, what was your favorite highlight of the regular season? I know there was plenty of them. And two, if you had to choose an opponent for the divisional round, who would it be and why? Oh. <laughs> All right. If I if I had to choose an opponent for the divisional round, it would actually be Green Bay. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, Ooh, I know. Ben, Listen, Ben, I want to go. We talked about before. I want to go to a Super Bowl, and it's the easiest road to the Super Bowl. Um, of course, yes, I am part of the Cowboys Nation that wants the third bite at the Giants. I want to see you guys go down so badly. Um, but if you're really putting a gun to my head and making me pick, I'm picking Green Bay. We all know um, it's really the Lions, but well, let's face it. <laughs> that's not possible. Uh, <laughs> it is. They're the sixth seed. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, you're right. I, yeah. I, I feel. I honestly, I feel like we have a better shot at Green Bay. Um, they have Ooh. a depleted secondary right now, and which is going to be very, very good for you guys. That's going to give Odell a lot of opportunity as long as regular season Eli taps out and playoff Eli checks in. Um, but. The other question, the highlight of the regular season, the highlight of the regular season for me was Week Five uh, against Cincinnati because that I was at that game. Okay. Um, I got to, like I said, I got to tour the star, which was wonderful. I met a ton of the players um, at that game. Um, who uh, Lucky Whitehead, uh, Byron Jones, Mo Claiborne, um, uh, Frederick, Zach Mart, Travis Frederick, Zach Mark, Jack Martin. Uh, Romo at the star, um, and then Des on the sideline during pregame. He wasn't playing, obviously, but he was just down there, like tossing the football around with Garrett. Um, and then just just getting to be there, just getting to be present for um, for a game and experience like that that home base that I obviously have not a single shred of up here in Boston um, or the Northeast at all. Um, so that was. That was it, and um, one one other highlight that I wasn't watching was the, um, that uh, that pass that does pass to Witten. That was uh, beautiful. That was great. <laughs> Loved that. All righty, all righty. So we're now going to transfer over to the AFC for a little bit. All right. Being uh. in Boston, do you really think that the Patriots basically can just sleepwalk the month of January? Uh, they, I do, I do, and they will. Um, that's, that's what it is. Um, I, I don't, I really can't pick an AFC team of my options that are going to take down Tom Brady and the Patriots. I mean, Oakland was looking like they could 
be the black or the dark horse, but then Derek Carr broke his fibula and I don't know that we're going to have two Dak Prescotts this year. So best of luck to Connor Cook. Um, I, Raiders fans really got to hope that Jack Del Rio can live up to all those coach of the year hype conversations that he's been a part of all season long. Um, uh, Houston, they couldn't, I'm sorry, against the Patriots, they could not score their way out of a paper bag. They don't even know, the real quarterback controversy controversy is in Houston and I don't I don't see them being organized enough or having enough team cohesiveness to beat Tom Brady um in the Patriots and then who else do we have Pittsburgh and Miami I mean Miami just lost Tannehill they've been playing well don't get me wrong but they're not they're not good enough Jay I'm probably pronouncing this last name wrong Ajay Ajay Whatever. Yeah, Ajayi. 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 Say that 10 times fast. He can't carry that team the whole game. The only one that I could see possibly taking them down would be Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh. Um, and Big Ben and the Steelers, a healthy Big Ben. Um, you know, you've got Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. They're they're incredible. So they could do some damage, but at the same time, I just I don't think you outperform Bill Belichick. I, I just don't think you do. Uh, you know, there's a part of me that looks at uh, you know. There's been a couple Super Bowls in the past where I think Bill Belichick just could not overcome this one team that he's seen there twice, but. Yeah. You know, in the AFC, there's the one team in Pittsburgh that, you know, I just think will put up the best fight and may could actually, you know, if you pressure Brady enough, like you saw in those two Super Bowl games that you mentioned, you know, you get in his head, it could mess up the Patriots. And that's just that's just my opinion on it. All right. So clearly it's it's Patriots Cowboys, in your opinion, on February 5th, right? February 5th is the day. I believe it is. Uh, February 5th, yes. All right, so final score, since we already know who you're going to pick to win. Oh, boy. <laughs> I actually know. I've been saying this all along. I would not be ashamed to lose to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, but, of course, I'm going to pick my team to win in my head. Right. Um, final score, I think that final score would be... Like, um, it's not going to be a lot less than a seven-point spread. I think it'll be like a 31-27 kind of score. All right. If we win, if the Patriots win, I'll give it a a possession and a half spread. (laughs) Um, Just being honest. (laughs) All righty. Since we're doing predictions, you were just at the uh, Bama-Washington game. I fell yes. asleep around halftime. I almost <laughs> did as well. Um, so, I know you're going on Monday to the championship yes. game. Oh, wow. Cool. All right. Prediction on the game Monday. And we are going to post this on our Twitter page, by the way. Okay. So, it's on record. It's going on right. record. <laughs> it's going on record. So, I I do think, again, this is this is the coaching effect. I think Bama's got it. Um, We have two totally different styles of coaching um, going head-to-head. 
biggest question, you know, revolves around this new offensive coordinator, Sarkeesian. How's he going to adapt to the offense in just a week? Um, how's play calling for this quarterback going to change? I think, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of people were ready to just chalk up that lackluster play calling um, for Jalen Hurts and for the offense to Kiffin knowing he was on his way out. I'm pretty sure that's why Nick Saban kicked his ass right out as soon as the game was over. Um, But I think Saban knows who his opponent is. He respects his opponent which is the most important thing. He knows how dangerous Watson is. He also knows the risk in shipping Kiffin out of Tuscaloosa a week before the title game. And given all that, I think he really knows what he's doing. Um, Deshaun Watson, very dynamic quarterback. Um, He's been... He's been fun to watch play. He was basically, I think, the front runner for the Heisman conversation, you know, right next to Lamar Jackson. Um, but he makes mistakes. He's inconsistent. And I do think Clemson's been a touch overrated. Um, and I think that's going to show in this game on Monday. I think we're going to see the Alabama Crimson Tide being the disciplined, structured, you know, traditional football team that we know them to be. And I do think they're going to get title 17. Um, Score prediction. I I don't, I don't think it's going to come anywhere near what it was last year. What was it? 40 to 45 Nama last year. Okay. I don't think it's going to go that high. I didn't check. I know the spread is, is is seven point. um, I think it was six and a half today. Six and a really? half with an over-under of 50. Over-under of 50? Okay. I do think it'll go over. I think it'll go over. I think we would probably be looking at... Um, I think it's going to be a... It's going to be in the 20s. It's going to go just over. Like a 20... Maybe 28, 21. There would be, I think Bama might just cover the spread. Because um, their defense, they have the best defense in the country. They're going to do everything that they can to get at um, Deshaun Watson and to keep Mike Williams, you know, keep the ball out of his hands, keep him out of the end zone. And um, Bo Scarborough is kind of a force of nature. So <clears throat> I think he's going to be mostly responsible for Bama scoring on Monday. All righty. Um, all right. Share the social media tag. Um, my social media tag is at mighty underscore SG. Alrighty, you've heard it here. Thank you very much for joining us on this week's uh, S&D podcast, Joe Mighty. No Thank problem. You for coming Thank you on. so much for having me. Absolutely. Alrighty, we'll definitely do this again soon. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. All right, welcome back to the S&D Podcast. You just listened to Violence in the Season by, of course, Division 1.1. Once again, thank you, Mighty, for coming on and talking Dallas Cowboy football, even though we didn't really enjoy that part of it. But the playoff aspect of everything... (laughs) Excuse me. The playoff aspect was fun. We're going to start off the final segment with the New York Knicks deciding not to play defense uh, since Christmas Day. (laughs) So, uh, Who plays defense? Not the Knicks. The idea is to score 120 points and not play defense. Don't you know that? Yeah, well, they can't do that if they expect <laughs> to make the playoffs. So they're starting to make the Knicks choke. Is 
So let me ask you the the main question then. Is it a problem that the other night Hornacek's walking away from the play as Melo shoots up a dud? Hornacek? Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's not a good sign when the coach walks uh, walks away from the play after seeing their quote-unquote star player uh, call for an ISO play when clearly that wasn't the call. He called him out uh, on it too. Yeah, well, he should. He called the whole team out. He, he, but he personally called out Melo and said he called his own number. I didn't make that play. Well, well, this is where Melo has had a fun couple couple of weeks here, uh, from uh, needing rest against the uh, Golden State Warriors, whether that was a injury or not. That's here to be seen. Well, they and knew what that was the that other night. I know, but you you got if you if you're net if you gotta you gotta play that game if you're Melo. Fight it out. Uh, play that game. Try and get your team to win that game. Wasn't like they're playing the worst team in the league and whatever. You know, it's you gotta play those games. Uh, I don't know. They, the Melo's starting. Melo's really been frustrating this year. It's just it's just the same crap with Adam Melo. Uh, and he's and he's dwindling in all his other skills asset aspects of it. So if he's not scoring thirty five a game, he's really more of a danger to the team than actually helping it. So Melo needs to wake up. And uh, let's face it, the reason he plays is they're in a playoff spot. Yeah, well, we've we've seen that the last couple of years. Um, Przingis has been hurt with the Achilles injury, so uh, hopefully it's a speedy recovery out of him and he comes back soon. I know I've had Achilles injuries and they're very naggy. So hopefully he, uh, he, uh, whatever, whatever the issue is with him, hopefully it's a speedy recovery out of him. He, he was that. questionable for the game against Milwaukee tonight while we're recording. And then, like, he went out and he worked out a little and they just decided, you know what, let's give it a little bit more time. Big guys with injuries exactly. is never good. Exactly. Especially Achilles, like a rupture or tear or anything at any point. Right. We've seen guys. With, with it being so weak. It's just, it's not even, uh, you know, specifically just Mellow. The whole team. The other night against Houston, I'm just looking at the numbers now so you could, so I could get it exactly. James Harden, who I think we all agree is pretty much just a scorer. He's not that great of an all-around player. You can't let him get 16 rebounds and 17 assists. I don't even know how that happened. Yeah, it's, that's it's, pretty it's, bad. It's ridiculous. And it's really just about effort. You got to, defense is just about no, there's zero, there's. There's zero effort, and there's a lot of fake effort too with the Knicks, which always pisses me off. But oh yeah, it, it's it's and they always compliment on saying that there's lack of uh, communication on the defensive side. Well, fix it. Talk. Open your mouth and talk. I don't. I never understand that awful excuse that crappy teams that don't play defense make that excuse all the time. I used to hear it all the time on the teams I played on. It's just like just talk. Open your mouth. You have your eyes. You see what's going on. If you know the other guy is about to get picked, call out the pick. If you see the guy uh, about to shoot a three or some sort of thing that the other guy can't see, help him out. That's the whole point of a team effort. So it, it's, it's such a crappy excuse when I've heard that a couple of times and I heard it on Han and Humpty today. So that's where I got from today. I actually, when I heard that from Han and Humpty, I was actually really pissed when I heard that. It's just, I, there's no excuse to... to be that bad at defense to give up 130 points to somebody it's just you, you can't you really can't have that and expect to be a, a playoff team um and uh 
And so there is another blue and orange team that made some news since our last show. Yes. And uh, nine reasons, nine uh, million dollar reasons to go to uh, Bridgeport. Yeah. It's just I, I feel bad for Halak because he really, I really still think he is a solid goaltender, and and can help somebody eventually. But it's just he was playing like. Absolute garbage. And the whole reason they kept Barube in this whole three-goalie system was because of J.F. Barube and because of his potential. And if he doesn't play, one, he's not, he's going to become an unrestricted free agent and probably leave because who would want to stay after this whole mess? And two, he's not going to grow if he doesn't play. If he sits on the bench, it's not going to happen. Well, that well, that's also the thing. You know, sitting him on the bench equals nobody watching him play equals... Who's going to sign him? Kind of helps out the Islanders in a way, right? Well, the other thing when they they obviously they, they put a lock through waivers and he didn't get claimed, that helped them in my opinion because we we, we were talking a couple of months back about the expansion draft. You have to meet certain requirements of people that you're putting up for the draft. Like you have to put up a player, a, a you know a forward, you know three forwards with certain amount of experience and defensemen with certain amount of experience. You need to put up a goalie with with ex- a certain amount of experience. And Barube, if he becomes a unrestricted free agent, doesn't count against that. And Grice is a free agent in the end of the year, too, so he doesn't count as that person either. Well, there are also in contract talks with Grice, so who knows right. what happened. So they would have had to extend him, and then he would have been... Protected. He would have been protected, but you have to leave somebody unprotected who fits that bill. So they would have had to sign somebody or, or get somebody who is... Like, why well, you call Yarrow back up at the well, end of the year? Well, that's the thing, right. Now that Yarrow is being left unprotected, because, I mean, he would be a guy you have to protect. Now you're leaving him unprotected. You know, he's the guy on that list. So, if he would have left, it would have put them in a little bit of trouble with the ex- eventual expansion draft. I don't think, I guess you don't have to. Like, you could, you could protect somebody and not have somebody unprotected. But then there's cap penalties and, and draft pay penalties and things like that. Right, yeah. So, I guess it'll be interesting to see what the Islanders do with that at the end there. But also, the other thing is, um, Gibson's hurt, so they need a goalie down there. Gibson got hurt. Chris Gibson got hurt. Chris Gibson got hurt, so okay. they need a goalie down there. Brube, they didn't trust to pass through waivers. You know, they completely expected to pass through waivers. Yeah. This was also a locker room thing. The r- rumor is, Tavares went right to Capuano and Snow and said, um, he didn't even want to spend be in the locker room after the game last week against Minnesota. Like, he didn't even say anything. People tried talking to him. He just ignored them. And the captain stepped up and said, we can't have that in here. And Brendan to... Burke was on the, the Point Blank podcast who said, yeah, it was a nice little winning streak. It felt better going to skate on uh, Friday the day before they played in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So it was an early game in Winnipeg. Right. They didn't skate that day. He said everyone just seemed more relaxed. There was like a relaxing point. Coming off a bad loss, there was a relaxing feel to the which team. Is, which is good. Right now, and if and it feels like it was more of a, it was a clock was more becoming of a cancer than a of a benefit to the team. Uh, and I think every time we've seen Grice play, I I've seen Grice play. Seems like the Islanders play a little bit better. That's yeah. my point of view this and season. For a team right now, they're nine points out of a playoff spot with three games in hand on Philly. That's not. I mean, I understand they have to jump six teams, but it's not out of the question. It really isn't. It, it can be done. 
not a, not everybody's going to just win forever. The whole division isn't going to go on winning streaks forever. They're going to come back to the pack eventually. It, it's you know they have to put their best foot forward and their best team in the eyes and have <clears throat> the best chemistry. Chemistry to me is more important in hockey than almost any other sport. I agree. Just because of you know. Well, basketball, obviously, it's important. It's more of a, you know, it's a stop-and-shoot thing. The chemistry you have to have to score a goal and and spend an entire season in the locker room with those guys traveling all over, and it's the longest season if you make, especially if you make a cup run, it's the longest season in sports. you got to have good chemistry. You can't have a cancer in the locker room, and Yarrow just was. I mean, it's it, there's just nothing you can do about it. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram... Uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google iTunes. Play, all of the podcast apps, Rising Apple, uh, Weissman Live Show. Check out last Monday's show I was on. I was a guest host, guest on the early in the show, actually. Um, also, Joe from Merrick will be co-hosting with Weissman this week on Friday's show with, uh, with Errol taking a vacation. Uh, but they will both be back next week. Um, Rising Apple posted a New Year's special. You can listen to that. Rising Apple has a, a New Year's special. Jay's Week in Wrestling is coming out with a new one soon. Closer to the Royal Rumble at the end of the month. Uh, we have a couple people we're working on providing uh, new segments, new shows to our channel. So make sure you look out for them as well. Uh, thank you again, Mighty, for joining us today. It was a great time. Make sure you follow her at Mighty underscore SG. Uh, throw some uh, cowboy stuff at her and NCAA and all that other fun stuff. Um, anything else? Miss no. Me? Go Giants. Ben, uh, may the best team win, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Yeah, good luck, boys. See you guys next week. Shot, 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 shot.